Welcome to Talking About Retirement, where we aim to redefine retirement with your host, Damon Sugden, Wealth Advisor and Master of Financial Planning. Damon's driving ambition is to meaningfully help people gain a sense of certainty about being able to live their best life. Talking About Retirement explores a wide range of retirement and lifestyle topics from a holistic perspective. In this first series, Damon will be joined by David Andrew and Barry Lavalley for each episode, and they will be having straightforward conversations around leading a rich and fulfilling life in retirement. David is a thought leader in the Australian wealth advisory industry and the CEO of Capital Partners Private Wealth Advisors. He is a two-time winner of Australia's Leading Professional Bodies Professional Practice of the Year Award. David is also a published author. His book, Wealth with Purpose, is a common sense guide to wealth, investing, and living an inspiring life. Barry joins us from Nanaimo in British Columbia in Canada, and is a global retirement expert, leading and provoking thought in the non-financial aspects of retirement. He is one of the originators of the life-first approach to financial planning and is also a published author. Barry's latest book, So You Think You Are Ready to Retire, helps readers view retirement holistically. Episode 7, Leisure and Balance. In this episode, Damon, David and Barry discuss the importance of the use of leisure time and how this affects achieving balance in our lives. Welcome everyone and I hope you've been enjoying our previous episodes and discussions around the non-financial aspects of living an active and engaging life in retirement. And in our last episode, we discussed moving through various stages of retirement. In this episode, David, Barry and I will be looking at the importance of the use of our leisure time and how this affects achieving balance in our lives. And some of the points we'll be looking at is what we should be doing in this next phase of our lives. Some of the pitfalls in our approach to perceiving leisure is 24-7 and defining activities which are fulfilling in our time versus filling in time. And I'm really keen to also understand a bit more about the paradox of leisure and the importance of, of balance in our second phase of our life. But I just feel, Barry, we need to clear the air on something. Yes, 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 yes. How are we pronouncing this word leisure? Leisure. Am I doing it wrong? Are you doing it wrong? What, what's, what's the go? <laughs> well, I, I come from North America, so of course we're doing it wrong. Um, it, but, uh, you know, so why don't, for the sake of, of uh, clarity, et cetera, let's call it leisure. But if I, if I slip up, remember that that's 60 plus years of, of uh, pronouncing it the wrong way. I actually didn't know how to speak until I went to Australia. <laughs> Well, I'm glad we've got that out of our system, but uh, it leaves us to ask, first, okay. what, what, what is leisure? I guess traditionally, this is simply a term to define a break, our free time to enjoy whatever we like to do while we're not working. And I think that's the rub. As we move into our post-working years and it appears that from behind that perceived threshold of, of retirement, all of our time could potentially then be viewed as leisure time. So Barry, how do we define, separate or allocate our leisure time differently, if at all, in retirement? Uh, I, I don't believe that you do. I think that it's, it's always been the same thing. And to me, leisure is that time when you can choose 
uh, to do things on your own. When you have control over the time you spend, then you can decide how you want to spend it. So, for example, if you're on a weekend and, and one of your tasks during the weekend is to mow the lawn, uh, if you love to mow the lawn, I view that as leisure. If you hate to mow the lawn, then I view that as homework. In other words, work that you do in the home. Uh, so the same activity could be two different things. It all comes down to how you view the time that you're spending and how engaged you are in it and what you're getting out of it. Exactly. So it's different things for, for different people. And if we could maybe assist people in carving up leisure time into, into three really broad levels or, or, um, or buckets, if you like, being you know, we can assign some time for our enjoyable activities or, or things that we personally find fun. You mentioned that mowing the, the lawn analogy there or engaging activities, activities which make us think we use our skills or our, our various talents and meaningful activities where it's time spent where we're building on our, our personal values. How about those three buckets of, of leisure, Barry? Well, this goes back again to what they do for you personally. Uh, we all like fun activities. I think we all need fun. And to me, fun is something that doesn't take a lot of thought, that is, is something that I just enjoy doing uh, without beating myself up over the success or the failure of an activity. I don't measure it in those terms. I'm just going out to have fun. Engaging activities is something totally different because there what I get personally is this feeling that, that I am engaged, that I'm using my talents to their best ability, that I really feel like I'm I'm, I'm, I'm on the mark with what I'm doing or I'm in the zone or anything like that. Uh, and, and again, David and I have talked in the past about, uh, uh, yeah, Chick is Mahalia and about flow activities. And I, I view the, the engaging activities part as probably the most influential on our mental well-being uh, of anything that we do. Uh, and then, of course, meaningful activities, I think that we all have to do things that make us feel like we have we have relevance that that speak to the values that we have to make us feel that we have purpose so what i get out of each of those three things all of them are important but what i find again as a retirement educator is that people who just do things for fun end up leading a very shallow life. And yet when they go into retirement, it's all going to be fun for them, they think. Yeah, interesting perspective. And from a planning and advisory perspective, and David, I'm sure you can relate to this, that you spend a lot of time with people discussing, even documenting, quantifying their goals. And, and the result of the conversation is you get this really clear picture of what they want to achieve and, and how they want to achieve it. My, my point being that the idea of their leisure time becomes much more than a bucket list or a list of tickable items to be completed. Particular travel destinations are often a popular one that appear there. But David, how do you see the importance of incorporating dedicated leisure time into our retirement years versus the notion of life just becoming this perpetual long weekend? Mm. That, that's actually quite a complex question, Damon, and I'm, I'm going to do my best to keep it simple. Um, one of the great misconceptions that I see for people approaching retirement, and I've dealt with hundreds of people 
in this space is the whole idea of, oh my goodness, this is going to be amazing because I'm going to have all the time in the world to do all the things that I haven't been able to do while I've been working. And to that point, I think it's true that many people are actually starved of leisure time during their working years, um, irrespective of their you know, their professional standing or the type of the work that they do. You know, for people who are doing quite challenging physical work, um, tradespeople and the like, their weekend and their holidays is actually a time for real physical and mental recovery. For people who are knowledge workers, um, just giving the brain a rest is, is a really important thing during your working years. One of the things about the transition to retirement is that you've just got this blank canvas. And um, for many people that I've dealt with, it can be quite daunting to fill that canvas. My experience has been, there's a couple of really important points here that I'd, I'd like to just draw out. The first is, and I know this, is, this podcast is about the non-financial aspects, but money stress is a real challenge. So, so to, to have a really great financial plan. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you've got more money than the, the person next door. A really good financial plan, plan enables one to have the best possible life with the resources they have. Um, so that's taking advantage of, of any benefits that are available to you and the capital that you've got and, and coming to terms with what life is going to be um, post ceasing work. I think the other thing, so so if you then look at, okay, so that's the money aspect dealt with in very simplistically. You, you, you think about that, where does money and life intersect? Um, as we move into this retirement phase, I think it is important to have a plan around what your activities are going to be. Overwhelmingly, um, and I know we're going to be dealing with this first one in a future podcast, but overwhelmingly, um, the most successful retirement transitions that I've seen are the people who do have some sort of a plan where there is health and exercise factored in and there is some routine around activities that are meaningful and engaging and rewarding and provide some sort of achievement. Because the, the idea of a perpetual leisure retirement, I think if unless there is some structure to it, it actually does the potential is there for it to end up, you know, that's a lot of Netflix, that's a lot of sport on on um, on TV. And I don't think that's as fulfilling as most people are looking forward to. I think a lot of people don't have the right idea. It's an idea that's perhaps a little jaded about leisure. You know, defining leisure is difficult. And again, we talked about this at the outset, that understanding that leisure can include a lot of things that you didn't think were actually leisurable activities. Um, for example, something related to work, uh, where if you're working on a weekend, doing something that you love to do, would you classify that as leisure? Now, I happen to think that you would, uh, but again, if it's stressful or or is is a lot of extra work and you're not really being jazzed by what you're doing, then I wouldn't call that leisure activities. But a lot of retirees actually include these workplace uh, activities as part of their whole leisure plan. One other point I wanted to make is that 
I think a lot of people, as they move to retirement, can overthink and over-strategize things like leisure. Mm -hmm. So I, I believe we keep this simple. I believe that we look at, and David, you mentioned five different areas where you can, you know, where you can create leisurable activities. Uh, in in my view, these these uh, plans that people create, where where it's almost a two hundred page novel on every activity that you're going to do. Um, human nature is such that we don't operate well if we're trying to conform to a massive list. So I want to just keep this as simple as possible. And, and define some of the broad principles that you have to think about as you look at your leisure, as opposed to having you sit down for two or three hours and oh, try and, and build a plan. Yeah, something else I want to raise here is the whole concept of retirement. You know, that is such a made-up construct. It has only come about because in wealthy societies, we've had the opportunity to cease work so 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 the idea of retirement is made up and the idea of the age 65 is made up um, they have been driven by social security systems more than any other factor i'm raising this because i think it's very very important for our listeners to think about what is the role of work going to be in my retirement and I'm going to go out there on a limb and say that particularly in the earlier years of retirement, you know, the first 10 or 15 years, work, whether it's paid or unpaid, voluntary or, or, or you know, define it any way you will, is a really, really important um, backbone, if you will, of the routine. Um, having a sense of purpose, having a sense of meaning is all about actually having something to get out of bed for in the morning. And, and um, Barry, I know you're a golfer and, um, you know, whilst the, con the idea of, you know, seven, golf seven days a week might appeal for, to some, I suspect it's quite unattainable. So, so just to really challenge what does this idea of retirement mean? Does it actually mean stopping work completely? I'm not sure that it does. And in some of the more successful retirement transitions that I've been involved with with, with people, um, work, part-time mainly work, has pay, played a very, very important part in the schedule. And there is nothing to say that if it's the right work and it's the right role, that it, as to your point, Barry, that it doesn't form part of your leisure. I would say in my work today, there are big parts of what I'm doing that are almost leisure activities because I enjoy them so much. I find it very, very hard to draw a distinction between, you know, work and stuff I just enjoy doing that I happen to get paid for. Now, that might make me a little bit different and a little bit um, unique. I'm not sure that's true. David, I think that, that gets to the absolute heart of the, the series of the, these podcasts. But you also mentioned earlier, like, the, the element of, of this free time slash leisure time, however we're quantifying it, has been quite daunting to, to use because among the many benefits of moving into retirement is that we do gain much more control over how we spend our time. 
and we've alluded to that this can be a you know two-edged sword and we can spend that time with time filling activities versus fulfilling activities and barry i've enjoyed your writings on how you broke down the time available to us in each week and considering that we have 168 hours in a week of which we ideally sleep for 56 of those hours during our working lives we commit around 55 hours to our career or business leaving 57 hours for our hobbies family or if we want to call it our leisure time when we transition away from using that 55 hours of our traditional work we almost double the amount of time we previously had available for leisure and as david alluded to, this could be quite daunting or challenging for some to seek fulfillment in that time as opposed to using it in filling time barry your comments on addressing that change or the mindset required in that context. If I was writing that again, and I think I wrote that uh, several years ago, but I've kind of changed my mind on that because, well, the, the numbers that I say are valid. You know, there is 168 hours a week uh, and we, like, we sleep for eight hours a day for seven days a week. Um, what I'm finding as I get older is no, you don't sleep for seven, for eight hours a day, not anymore. Um, and um, then you've got your working lives that you've been committed to. But in actual fact, we should look at this in a somewhat different way. And, and that, again, is, is what do you want to do in general so that you are combining uh, activities that are fun, activities that are engaging, and activities that are meaningful? And you don't have to do it all in one day. If you want to sleep until noon, you should be able to do that. But it comes down to how this makes you feel and what accomplishments, what relevance, uh, what feelings of usefulness you have. Uh, and, and so look at it over the course of a week and say, all right, what do I need to accomplish in each of those three areas? Uh, I don't want to wake up in the morning and have a list of 15 things that I need to do just so that I balance off my leisure. Um, so now you're in control. Um, one thing you asked earlier, Damon, was how does this uh, change from when you were working? And, and uh, you know, I don't think it changes that much. At least it shouldn't, because you should have that approach to life anyway, where you have accomplishments, you have to go to work. I understand that. But you also can fit in other things to make sure that you're both enjoyable, engaging, and meaningful. And you should be doing that now as opposed to leaving it all for retirement. That is the, the paradox of leisure, isn't it? Well, it is because, again, it gives people the wrong idea of what leisure is. Leisure isn't fun. Uh, it can be, uh, but leisure is rewarding. Leisure is you having control over what you want to do, including doing nothing, which unfortunately becomes a, a common state for people. You know, I'm so busy, I, I, I'm doing nothing. You know, I've got so much on my plate, I'm not doing any part of it. So you've got that. I think this whole idea of leisure is that we, we've always looked at leisure as a break from something. So you work seven days or work five days a week, Monday to Friday, nine to five, whatever it is. And then you've got the two days off. And in my own uh, workshops, I'll say to people, well, what do you enjoy about your weekends? And the response is usually, well, I get to do what I want. It's a break from work. And then they get holidays, you know, vacay for two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is. And what do you enjoy about your vacay? Well, I, I, 
it's a break from work and, you know, I can do what I want. But the point of, of the paradox of leisure is we like leisure because it's a break from something. Even if we don't fully utilize it to achieve our own goals as human beings. And we forget, I think, that if you had leisure seven days a week, 365 days a year for 30 years, where is your break? And so that's, the, that's where just our definition in general of leisure is, is wrong because a leisure is not meant as a break. It's meant for you to have the ability to do what you want and, and to have control over that. Uh, it's not a break from work. In fact, for a lot of people, it includes work. And that's the perception. During your working years, you, many just simply dream of that post-working life as this unending period of free time because it's what they yearn for from where they're standing today. And from our discussion, it sounds like too much leisure, that old saying, too much of a good thing. It could lead to a really monotonous life with, with little variation, inspiration or discovery and I'm sure many of us uh, have experienced conversations with that you know, much-loved family member or friend where they don't have that engagement in their life and they end up obsessing over whatever the topic of the week is or their, their given health issue that they're struggling with, financial concerns. But David, it sounds like we really need to make sure that we mix it up and give ourselves really best chance of, of some really engaging yet carefree leisure time. But if you're already in that state of... Uh, not having that engaging outlook on life, it's going to be much more challenging to form new habits or change your perspective. How can we help people in that monotonous state affect some positive change? Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to preface my answer by saying that I'm not a clinical psychologist, but I've seen quite a lot of this. Um, too much free time, I'm carefully not calling it leisure time, too much free time, without appropriate purpose in it can become a real rut. And uh, I have worked with people uh, where it's ended up where we've tried, we've had to get some professional health. Having said that, I've also worked with the other, if you think about that as the extreme, the other extreme is the people who uh, are such workaholics that they're terrified of stopping because, you know, it's, they know that it's going to leave such a massive gap. So where, where does the balance sit in between those two extremes? Um, I mentioned the word routine earlier um, where we... And routine sort of got a, a, a bit of a funny context to it where you sort of think, oh, routine, Ugh. it sounds so routine. Um, you know, if you put a, a down um, in, inflection on the word, but routine uh, can be quite a positive thing in that, in that you've got activities that you really do look forward to uh, and you can build them into, into your game plan if you wish. That's probably a better that's probably a better way to think about it, isn't it? Instead of having a routine um, in your uh, post-work years, having having a game plan where, where there are certain activities sort of loosely mapped out each week that that you're going to um, that you're going to engage in so that you do get a sense of meaning accomplishment purpose and so on 
Um, so, so look, you know, at the extreme, Damon, the answer to your question is that some people actually need some counselling and some help to get this done. Um, one of the points that we've made quite strongly in previous episodes of this podcast is this idea of continuity theory, where where it's much easier to continue with the activities that you've got on your plate today um, than it is to try anything new. And uh, I've, I've experienced this with many people. And, and this, this seems, Barry, to get more acute as people get older. It's very, very hard. It, it, you know, I think, I think people are a bit braver in their 50s and 60s compared to perhaps their 70s and 80s to really try a new activity. Um, that's one of the things that we I would challenge the audience with is to say, what are some of the activities that you've really wanted to do that, that work has precluded you from and how are you going to start the process of engaging in those activities? Because the longer you leave it, the more difficult it's going to become to be able to start that engagement. Something I'd like us to get to for this episode is, is the element of, of balance. And when we're looking at achieving balance in our lives and we're trying to reframe this idea of leisure and incorporating work or work-like activity as a positive element in that balance, just like to give that idea some more context in dividing leisure into some different components, being social interaction, spectator appreciation, Solitary relaxation, I'd like to come back and discuss that one a little bit more, but adding physical activity, uh, creative expression uh, as an outlet for us, and, and also intellectual stimulation. And in previous episodes, we referred to also this episode, the work of Chikas Mahaley and the, the idea of flow. And these six elements really feel like a step towards achieving flow or that effortless state of, of activity. But I'm really interested in that third item, solitary relaxation, or, or some time to think about your world and, and your role in it. And our discussions have been around, mostly around activity, surrounding yourself with others, quality of our relationship. But Barry, why is this solitary relaxation element so important? Well, it's when you talk about solitary relaxation, uh, that's actually probably not the right term. Um, we can call it putting yourself in a meditative state uh, where you are just letting your mind go wherever it needs to go or where and sometimes you want it to go. But in general, you have that relaxation feeling where you're just thinking, thinking about something, thinking about nothing. Uh, you can you can quote or, or uh, chant mantras, as I, I suppose, uh, if you want. But, but the fact is that you need to give your mind a rest, but you also need to let it think on its own about what your next steps are. Uh, so, uh, you know, different kinds of meditation. I saw an interesting study, though, Damon, that suggested that people who meditate regularly, all other factors being equal, tend to live longer than people who don't. And I think, uh, you know, part of that has to do with the dopamine release uh, that you get from just letting your mind be and taking some time just for you just to quieten down, deepen your breathing, and, uh, uh, you know, try and feed your, your mental health. 
That's that's fascinating and and uh, really valuable. I, I uh, liken it to the. You remember the old computers, and they used to defrag, and you you literally see it all reshuffling the hard drive, reshuffling itself, getting it back to an, a workable state. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think that that so much of what we can do to buttress our mental and physical health is things that we choose to do, and you choose to do things by by living in the moment and and identifying those things that you think are important. Um, uh, I try and do that when I'm letting my mind go to rest, when I'm just letting my mind go. But I also want to bring in some of the things that I feel that I should be doing. So I'm not trying to drive myself nuts with this. I think the other thing we have to remember is that the older that we get, and this speaks to continuity theory, the more your state of being is, 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 you know, your fallback is going to be rest and not doing a lot of things. To do things, to be active, to create leisure activities or leisure activities that you want, that is, uh, you have to choose to do that. You have to, if you don't choose to do that, then what you end up with is you being uh, alive, but not really thinking. And, and so, uh, this solitary relaxation thing is you getting a chance to, you're right, to reorganize your mind and make sure that you are where you want to be. Sounds like a really valuable element to achieving balance. Uh, so a listener challenge for this episode is to conduct a bit of a self-assessment on the use of your leisure time, noting what activities you use in each of the six components we, we mentioned just a few minutes ago. And once you've got your list, reflect on your level of balance in your life and then identify some areas that may have maybe escaped you recently and how you may be able to change those uh, elements and balance uh, for the better. Gentlemen, thank you for the chat and discussion today. Barry, I'll continue to work on my pronunciation of leisure and hope I've got it right for you next time. To our listeners, I hope you've enjoyed our chat about leisure in our lives and maybe how to approach leisure so it is important in achieving balance, all of which relates back to our first episode in discovering this idea of the new retirement. Thank you, and we look forward to joining you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Talking About Retirement. The information in this podcast is of a general nature only and may not be relevant to your circumstances. The circumstances of each investor are different and you should seek advice from a professional financial advisor who can consider which strategies are right for you. We'd love to hear from you with any topics you'd like to hear about when considering your retirement. Please feel free to share the Talking About Retirement podcast with those you think would benefit from listening. All episodes in this series are available on the Capital Partners Private Wealth Advisors website, capital-partners.com.au as well as your favourite podcast app. We'd love for you to help us in bringing you more content by subscribing. Take care and we'll see you next episode.